Hello, everyone. Listening to Battle Red Radio. I'm Matt Weston, and today I'm joined by Kevin Masseri, who's one of the hosts of the Kevin Jason Jason Show, which is a Buffalo Bills podcast presented by Cover One. And if you don't know what Cover One is, it's a really great NFL website that also covers the Buffalo Bills too. And since the Texans are playing the Bills this Saturday in the wild card round of the 2019 NFL playoffs, I wanted to do a deep dive on the Bills. And you specifically talk about them as a team and briefly preview the Texans game this weekend because there will also be podcasts and articles and everything else about this wildcard matchup too. But in the meantime, how are you doing today, Kevin? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Yeah, so first off, I wanted to start with Josh Allen. I've taken the stance that Allen's play is absurd and beautiful, and it's not something that can be critically analyzed. You know, it's like love or beauty or the sublime where it just is and you don't need to really think about it any more than that. But, and even if you wanted to, you really couldn't even do that because it's just so, uh, like, otherworldly. And so that being said, we'll try to do this impossible task today. So Allen's in the second year in the league right now. What's been the biggest difference between his rookie year and this year? And what do you think is his big is the biggest thing holding him back right now? His biggest um, improvement so far is his intermediate game. Uh, he's one of the best passers in the league, but in you know from 10 to 19 yards, um, he's moving the chains consistently. He sees down the field. His accuracy in the short um, short field has gotten a lot better. Um, he's been a lot more careful with the football. That's that's big you know big one that Brian Dable has been stressing with him. Uh, he's taking fewer deep shots uh, relatively to where keep the ball in front of him, you know, don't not as many scramble runs for Josh Allen to kind of stay fresh. He got hurt in Houston actually last year, mm-hmm. um, scrambling, trying to make a play, did make a play and took, took a, took a nice shot on this elbow. I believe it was a merciless. I can't quite remember, um, who dinged him up, but it ended up being a pretty severe elbow injury that, that kept him out for four or five weeks plus a bye. Um, but he actually came back and he's actually been a different football player from the end of last year, um, on to, so kind of in that Houston game, they got hit last year, kind of changed, changed him up a little bit, studied uh, behind Matt Barkley, you know, st- got, got to step back and watch this game unfold. And then he had a whole offseason and then came into this year. Um, so, you know, Bills fans are pretty optimistic about Josh Allen. But, yeah, the, the one thing he's he's changed is that intermediate accuracy as well as it just – he does have some a little bit of fumbles, um, but he is keeping the ball uh, generally in his hands and not too many interceptions. So that's 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 been a big improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only thing I really remember from his performance in that game last year against Houston was him casually stiff-arming J.J. Watt in a scramble. And you're like, what in the world is he doing? But he's able yeah, to pull, much pull off things like that. Yeah, the Him quarterback sneaking is the most exciting play in sports right now. No doubt, man. I mean, it's it's you never know what you're going to get if it's stuffed and in a normal situation where they might not get it. Somehow he comes comes across with some crazy 360 spin and dives or picks up the ball on the ground and jumps forward. Or um, there, there's been some in- interesting, uh, including against New England a couple of weeks ago, where he took a terrible face mask call that I don't know how wasn't called and still got out of the face mask and still then uh, went to the left for a first down. So um, it's it's one that's automatic and honestly a four and a half uh, four fourth 
and an inch or or fourth and half of a yard, the Bills need to be going to it every time because it just hasn't been stopped yet. Mm-hmm. And I think he's even be this, he's even the type of player who could turn a fourth and one quarterback sneak into like a thirty five yard touchdown. And so that's the play I'm waiting for him to make, and it's going to happen eventually. I firmly believe that. Yeah, it's it's he's got that kind of motivation and grit to where he's not going to just die for a yard. Um, he's going to stay up, and uh, if he's not corralled to the ground, he's going to keep running. Yeah, the other play I remember following from that New England game this year is him being used as a runner was that like third and four call where he like somehow like maneuvered around like three different guys in the pocket. Uh, you know, they ran that power play to the left hand side. He dove for almost guy in Calvinoy gave him like a really brutal shot that stopped him a yard short, but. Like even his three yard runs are more entertaining than, you know, like a typical quarterback's just, you know, three yard scramble where he slides down. Like everything he does is really just kind of spectacular and tremendous. Yeah, I mean, he he he's definitely the type of player that the thing he gets a positive for, no matter what analytics or what DVOAs or what whatever it is that you know PFF, whatever it is that you like to use that don't account for, is his grit, um, his ability to pump up his team, to be a leader. Um, and just be be loved in the community. And it's for plays like that you're mentioning there that um, get him that that leg up on pretty much anyone that Buffalo has had since Jim Kelly. So um, we've had you know 10 to 12 quarterbacks here that have just not had it in, in one way or the other. Josh Allen seems to have most, if not all of the things that Bill's fans and Bill's analytics are looking for. Um, so, you know, the, the future's bright here with Josh Allen and the team having, I think the most cap space in the playoffs. So I'd have any team in the playoffs will have the most 20, uh, 20 cap space, uh, around $90 million. So it's going to be interesting to see what this bill seems able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing that people, I think forget about Josh Allen too, the people who are like critically analyze this game and he's only 23 years old as well. And he's really he's really improved tremendously from his rookie year to this year, especially like his touch on this intermediate pass like you're mentioning. I even think his touches on the short throws, he's been a lot better at too. And again, he's 23. I think we've been spoiled as football fans of what Mahomes has done and Watson has done and these other young quarterbacks and Wentz as well too, that you're expecting that these quarterbacks who have been in the league for two years, three years are all of a sudden going to be you know, top 10 in DVOA and DYAR or top 10 in net yards attempt, whatever statistic you like to use to measure quarterbacks. And if they aren't that immediately in you know year two or year three, and if they're still you know occasionally missing you know, difficult throws like that throw he missed to Dalton Knox at the end of the fourth quarter of that New England game, you know, people point to that as like, well, Allen's not good. He's bad. He's trash or whatever. But um, he hasn't been, you know, trash this year. I think he's been a dependable quarterback for what the Bills are doing and the way they win games this year. But also the fact that, you know, he's 23 years old and the things that he can do are things that no other quarterback has been able to do, uh, really just from like a physical standpoint. And I think as he gets older, he's one of those guys who, you know, even I think the quarterback he is right now is going to be entirely different than the quarterback he's going to be you know, two years from now as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. He's already developed a lot. I mean, to the point where Brian Dable is getting um, coaching, um, he's getting coaching interviews. He has a lot to work on himself. Uh, maybe we'll touch on that at some point in the show. But um, just alone by working with Josh Allen has catapulted him and his mindset into being a head coaching candidate. So, yeah, Josh Allen's developed a lot. I mean, I don't think it's far-fetched to say he's a top half of the league quarterback. 
uh, depending on what you want to rank. Um, the running and, and everything combined, he's you know he's tops and total touchdowns. I mean, he's he's a guy that you can't just discount his eight or nine rushing touchdowns mm-hmm. every single season so far, um, because it is part of the game plan. It is it isn't just a breakdown play that you know he happens to score on or a one yard QB sneak into the end zone. These are actual legitimate touchdowns that Josh Allen scores uh, power plays, and they run you know they'll they'll run you know Mitch Morse out in front, they'll run Devin Singletary out in front of them, and they'll just just go for it. Um, so there's there's a lot of things going on, but Josh Allen, you got to count for everything when it comes to him. And just when you think, even against New England, who Bill, Bill Belichick's a master of um, finding weaknesses, but just when even Bill thinks he figures out Josh Allen, he'll go and make a crazy play and beat Stephon Gilmore. So, you know, there's 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 pros to his game right now, and I think every Bills fan, he hasn't finished to complete two years. I mean, he played half, a little over half the season last year and a full season this year. He's got a winning record in games he started and finished. Uh, it's a pretty big testament to him and his development so far. Mm-hmm. So in this game specifically, the Texans' biggest struggle as a passing defense is they can't stop the short passing game. They've used a wide variety of cornerbacks. They've bargain been picked, and Trey Gary and Conley, who I think is more of a fortunate quarterback than a good quarterback, where he makes a lot of plays, where he's chasing back and plays the ball well, which every really great cornerback does is play the football well. But when you're consistently being able to run back and make plays on the ball, um, it seems like a little bit fool's goally. Or it seems a lot like fool's goal whenever it comes to Conley. They are playing Vernon Hargreaves, Jonathan Joseph's, you know, like 39 years old. Uh, Bradley Roby's been good, but he's not the type of guy you want to be the number one cornerback on a really good pass defense. But he's been the number one cornerback on a bad pass defense, and he's made some big plays this year as well, too. And so the Texans just overall, the pass rush has been bad since J.J. Watt was hurt. Uh, their quarterback play, be able to play man coverage, has been you know pretty bad as well, too, especially in the short passing game. So the Bills, they have Cole Beasley. They have John Brown. They can't, they have Isaiah McKenzie occasionally. Dalton Knox has emerged as a reliable tight end target. And you know, it's third in the team in targets as well, too. Singletary can make some plays happen in the screen game as well. So do you think the Bills can be able to consistently move the chains and attack Houston's secondary with their short passing game? Yeah, I mean, the short passing game is where the Bills excel. Um, and that doesn't mean just screens and, and um, you know, quick outs and flats. I mean, they're they're going to run an intermediate to short passing game. All, all, you know, that's probably what their game plan is all game. I wouldn't be I would be shocked to see them try much over the top. They'll take their occasional one or two. Um, uh, shots in this and usually timed fairly well, depending on the play. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's going to be the way that the Bills would would come out with this one is moving the ball via the short passing game. Uh, they're going to look for a lot of Dawson Knox. Um, you know, there's you know, they'll use mix and match tight ends in there. You know, Tyler Croft snuck behind New England. Um, so they, they like to get people involved. And, and that's not to mention we don't know what's going to happen with everyone's fan favorite here in Buffalo. Um, Duke Williams, a guy. Um, that went for 100 yards last week in, in a mop-up game, but you know did, was playing against the Jets' first-teamers with second-teamers on his side. So uh, it's a guy that Bills fans really like. He played really well against Tennessee earlier this year, scoring a game-winning touchdown. So a lot of people thought he was the next, you know, big threat. Um, he's a big red zone guy, you know, really, really physical run blocker. So we'll we'll see if he's active on Saturday. Uh, but he's another name to watch out for, and he's got really good chemistry so far. Mm-hmm. With Josh Allen. Um, so we're, we're going to have to find out. I mean, the Bills, uh, Brian Dable does seem to lean on his intermediate to short game. Uh, he loves Isaiah McKenzie on jet sweeps. Uh, they will put pitch it to him occasionally. They love the ability to they'll run a trick play. They run around on Thanksgiving. 
um, where John Brown hit Singletary in the end. So they're, they're going to try to be creative. Ryan Dable's a creative offensive coordinator, and you're definitely going to see them capitalize on the short passing game in one where, I don't know, they're going to probably try to take advantage of Tashawn Gibson um, being out too. So um, they're going to do whatever they can to move the ball, and, and the Bills are a very patient team. That's one thing you'll find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know like it's also fun watching Allen, who's a short-term thrower. I mentioned his touch earlier and all these different kind of receivers that he has available to him to make these throws. But it's kind of fun watching him, like, you know, miss two or three throws like, over a guy's head or miss them kind of poorly. And all of a sudden, he delivers, like, a, a sidearm throw off-balanced uh, that's, like, perfect touch. and or, he, or he's able to, you know, rear back and throw the ball through multiple levels of his own coverage in between his, like, impossible windows as well, too. And so you have these throws are like, I have no idea what that is there. You know, that was kind of grotesque. And then all of a sudden, here comes this, yeah, beautiful and spectacular, spectacular throw on you know second and twelve or whatever that may be. Yeah, you see that a lot from John. You'll so I and I guarantee you'll see it Saturday where he'll miss a throw and everyone will you know you can go two ways with it. I mean you'll you can you can say like wow he missed what what I would think is a quarterback to be able to hit Dawson Knox there, um, but then he'll make a better throw to Dawson Knox later in the game right before half to actually get up on New England and then a better throw to John Brown with three men in his face off balance on his back foot uh, and toast Stephon Gilmore. So it's just it, it's just all what you're looking for. Some people are looking a little bit more for that consistency, which he has been lately. Um, you know, I mean, most p- people that cover the bills and, or are fans of the bills know that those missed throws are going to come and they'll take it. I mean, you're not going to be Josh Allen going much over 60% completion percentage. Although when he does, the bills haven't lost when he goes over 60% completion percentage. Um, so if he's completing at a high clip, meaning quote unquote, he's on for the day, um, the bills are a tough team to beat. Mm-hmm. So Allen as a runner, they manufacture him some, like you mentioned their power run game. I love how they use Mitch Morse as a puller specifically. Uh, Quentin Spain and John Feliciano are good pullers as well, too. And even, as you mentioned, too, with Singletary being used as a fullback to lead the way, they especially like to do this in the red zone. Uh, I you know, I thought Allen, you know, looking at it, that you know, why don't they use him as a runner more often? Because I think they could use him maybe more like how Carolina used Cam Newton with them and everything about injury history and that sort of thing. And he has 109 carries this year for 510 yards, nine touchdowns. He averages 4.7 yards a carry. He's pretty much like the team's second running back now that Singletary's taken over and Frank Gore has been kind of pushed on the depth chart. And he's averaging only 0.1 yards less after contact than Singletary is as well too. And Singletary's been you know dynamic and you know, a really great back in his rookie year already too. Um, so I guess my question for you is how do they like to use Allen in their run game? Is it just him you know, quarterback keeping? Do they use zone reads? Do they do some full house backfields like Baltimore tends to do? And do you think they could be using this place more often uh, to have a better offense this year? And is it worth that, you know, worth the ability to preserve his health for the long term to kind of not force him and uh, to be his runner as much as he is? Yeah, I mean, I think what makes Josh Allen Josh Allen is his ability to run. A lot of people like to discount this side of the game when talking about him. They just kind of kind of chalk it up to a scramble drill or just him being erratic. But really, I mean, at some point, you got to account for his 1,100 plus yards and 17 touchdowns in his limited career that he's had so far, 28 games. I mean, that's a lot of rushing yards and touchdowns. Um, it is part of his game. It is what makes Brian Dayball Brian Dayball. Yeah, so they'll do a multitude of different running techniques from zone reads. I mean, they'll do powers. Um, they'll do short side runs on on third and short you'll see that where you know he'll you know he'll go play action um he'll look he'll look for a quick you know maybe a uh, rpo 
but really he's going to short side run. So he's going to go, you know, a power zone to the weak side, um, and to the short side sometimes. So it's interesting to see, he did put it on the ground that actually, um, cost the bills a game against Philadelphia. They were up on them. Um, and then he had a pretty bad fumble on that type of play that uh, cost him the game. But, um, and it kind of went off the rails from there. So you'll see a lot of designed runs for Josh Allen. It's deliberate. So even if, you know, Brian Dable's got a plan. So even if it only goes for, like you mentioned, three yards, um, it's it's all part of the grander scheme that might open up passing lanes in the short to intermediate game because now you have to account for him because if you don't account for him, Josh Allen will take 15 yards every single time. So if for some reason that you decide to drop back, uh, go man-to-man coverage or different types of different variations to where you're not accounting for the running game. He'll, he's going to take eight to 12 yards every single play. Um, and he did it more, more last year. Um, but this year, um, we have better receivers, but, uh, he's going to, he's going to run. So, um, a lot of it is designed. It's less scramble. It's less run around the park. He is, he is going to throw the ball. Um, if it is supposed to be a pass play. So that's kind of what you'll get from Josh Allen and, um, and he'll at the same time, though, if 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 something's not open, he's going to take the first down. Um, he'll he'll hold never. He, he won't be the quarterback that'll ever pass up running the ball uh, if he has an opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say Allen looks to throw or looks to run? He's been looking to throw more this year, which is interesting. Um, so he's been looking to throw. And then from there, unless it's a d- designed run. So we'll take those out of the equation. He's been looking to throw. Um, and then, you know, it would really take a breakdown for him to decide to run and not not necessarily a scramble drill, because if he's in a scramble drill, he's still looking to throw the ball. Um, so that's, what's interesting. You'll see him try to make time so he can throw the ball, not necessarily make time so he can take the 10 yard run. He's been getting rid of that a lot less last year, a lot more where he, you know, he hurdle Anthony Barr and he'll do all types of crazy stuff this year. He's making time for him to throw the ball. So he's looking to throw it more. Um, but that's still not to say that uh, he, he trusts his legs and he's still going to take the first down, um, in critical spots too. So just when you think that's why he's a really good passer on third and 10, um, they're one of the best teams in the league in third and nine plus, um, because he can beat you in a multitude of ways. And if you drop back too far or you play too deep in a man or man to cover two, um, he's going to look to run and he's going to usually be able to get there, um, or get close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things I like about watching him scramble too is he does that thing where he runs as vertically as he can, and then he'll get like he'll start you know defenders start popping up at that point in the field, and then he's just able to just turn around, run side, sideways all the way to out of bounds, and you know not take hits as well too. And so he runs all these like weird L shape. Uh, if I wish we could have like the next gen stats of it. I'm just all these L shape kind of pass he takes after he takes off and scrambles to be able to save himself from taking those bad hits like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, and he'll never put yards on the field. It has to be a really specific situation to where he really feels he's going to get hit hard. Um, he'll never leave yards on the field. So he'll never usually slide um, too bad. So in certain spots, but he's still going to be the quarterback that's going to, like you mentioned, find a way out of bounds um, or fight for those yards, which has generally worked out. Um, he's put the ball on the ground a couple of times that we wish he didn't, uh, but it's Josh Allen. We have to take that um, as it comes. So he's going to fight for those yards like a running back would. Um, and it's generally been pretty, pretty effective for the team. Mm-hmm. And so this year, their running game has improved dramatically after they bench Frank Core and puts Devin Singletary in the starting lineup. And that was after about week nine against Washington. And that came after his hamstring injury repaired and healed. Um, and so with Singletary as a running back, I've seen a guy who was able to create a lot of runs from nothing. How much of an impact is, or, or is his ability to break tackles adds to this running game and do you think this run game is like from a blocking perspective is it you know really good is it just okay and Singletary makes up for it 
Uh, what do you think about this whole entire offensive line overall they've had this year too? Yeah, so Devin Singletary is a very patient runner. He's going to play in the mold of a Le'Veon Bell where he's going to wait for his blocks to show up. He bounces off of uh, tacklers, and he's really elusive, rushing at 5.1 yards a carry. Really good in, uh, out of the backfield. He didn't show much at FAU catching the ball, but he's able to do it when called upon. And, I mean, he's really – when the Bill, when he's on the field, the Bills are a better football team, period. The running – the run blocking has been okay, okay to maybe slightly above average. It's not great to me. I mean, like, if you see Frank Gore in there, nothing happened. You know, it, Frank Gore's fighting for all the yards he can get. It's, it's a decent running uh, – you know, you have Josh Allen in there that are really going to pat the Bills' running stats, and right, I guess rightfully so if you want to look at it that way. But um, it, the offensive line – in, in, in particular is, is pretty good to, to, to above average. I mean, it's it's leaps and bounds better than the, the offensive line Houston. What I saw last year was just terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did invest. I mean, they between draft picks and um, their money. I mean, they, they ended up picking up six or seven guys and they've, they've settled on Feliciano in Spain. Uh, obviously, big signing in Mitch Morse. They drafted Cody Ford. Ty Inseki's there uh, who looks, I think, like he's ready to play. So the Bills over and then not to mention Adrian Waddell, who got hurt. One of the only injuries for the Bills is Waddell, another guy they picked up. Um, and they, you know, a couple other couple of new guys. So really only Deion Dawkins, their left tackle, who's a pretty good left tackle. That's the only guy that stayed last year. So it's worked out. I wouldn't call it a dominant offensive line by any stretch. Um but and, and I don't think it's particularly super strong. And they have really good creative run plays and really good in pulls. Uh, Quinn Spain's been a nice find for this team. Uh, Mitch Morse has been good. We're paying him a lot of money here. Um, so the offensive line's been good, um, but I wouldn't say it's dominant. Um, but it's good enough, and it's definitely good for uh, good enough for the playoffs. Uh, the Bills aren't going to win based on how strong their offensive line is. But Devin Singletary is the reason that um, they're running at you know top top 10 in the league right now. And uh, he's the, the team's if, if he's on the field, I, I I predict the bills offense to move better than if something else is going on or someone else is in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things you see a lot of like the, you know, with all the pulling with uh, Feliciano in Spain is that they get their hands on you. You're dead and you're toast. Like there's so many plays where Spain will, he's really good. Like knowing where to put his head and he'll just crush guys and kind of just like tackle away where he used both of his arms, just throws him down and, um, it's fun to watch, but if you're able to use, a, you know, be elusive and kind of plant and then dip around, be prepared for the pull, you can get around them and make some plays in the backfield. And that's one like the downsides to their power run game. Uh, but it's a lot of fun to watch, though. And it really like Houston's defensive line just needs to be you know, very, uh, be very attentive, be prepared for the pulls. If somebody's not blocking you, don't run upfield with your head turned or you know going after the running back because you're gonna get ear hole pretty easily. And I know Charles Omenehu has had problems as a defensive in the run game doing that specifically. And the rest of the guys are pretty good at standing, maintaining lanes, and being more cognizant of it. And it's going to be interesting to see how much he plays compared to Watt, too, in the run game specifically. Because Watt's been, you know, Watt's a very intelligent run defender. He understands those sorts of things. Whereas, you know, the rookie that they've used has had, has had big struggles uh, against power run play specifically. So that's something to watch out for in this game, too. Yeah, I mean, the Bills are going to do a lot of power run plays. I mean, that's that's what they're going to do, and that's how they're going to get the chains moving. If that's working, um, that opens up that intermediate to short passing game. Um, that, then that'll open up some play action. That'll open up some stuff to over the top with John Brown. Really, I mean, they'll take a deep shot with actually pretty much any receiver on this team or their tight ends, which is interesting. So just when you think it might be John Brown, it isn't. They'll go over the top, maybe even with Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley went over the top on Baltimore to get him in position to tie the game late in the game against Baltimore a couple weeks ago. Um, And then you'll also go over the top with Isaiah McKenzie, Robert Foster, um, uh, Dawson Knox down the field who um, uh, against New England. So you'll see a little bit of everything. So that you don't quite know who's going to sneak away. So it's not like they have uh, Hollywood Brown. 
um, or or someone specifically that you think is going to go over the top. Um, they'll they'll mix and match that. So and they'll use that power running game in order to play action and do that. And um, Josh Allen's, you know, it takes a lot of criticism. A lot of people think he's poor um, in his deep passing game. I think he's average at it. Um, so we're going to see, I mean, that if that power running game is going, it's going to be good news for the bills. And if not, and if it's not going, um, the, the Texans are probably going to be able to do a little bit more, um, than, than anticipated against the Bills. So it's all about that power running game. And if it's able to, to get the linebackers to bite on play action and, uh, maybe even the safeties too. So I, I anticipate the bills trying to, to, to stay patient power running game. There's Brian Dable's been known to start the games off. He's coming with coming with six straight passes. You know, we've seen him do that as well. Just when you think you might figure this thing out, so he might attack that secondary. There's there's a multitude of things, but um, the one thing's for sure though when it comes to to their power running game in general, and that's they're going to trust their defense. So um, at the end of the day, if they're going to stick to the power running game and it's been average to marginal, um, they're going to rely on their defense to to pick it back up and give it wear down the defense enough to where. Um, the Bills' offense will get going, and we've seen that happen in games where against New England, against some of the, the league's best, Pittsburgh, um, that it, just because it didn't get going early on, the Bills are actually a better team in the fourth quarter. One, Josh Allen's one of the best in the league in the fourth quarter and in the red zone. So those are two statistics to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Allen's deep passing game, he's 35 for 100 on throws that go over 15 yards to the air for 914 yards and five touchdowns and five interceptions. Um, how important is play action to their deep passing game? And about how many shots do they do they take downfield uh, a game? Because Houston is a pretty good deep passing team, but that's usually because Tayshawn Gibson or a good deep passing defense because that's usually because they, Tayshawn Gibson's just sitting back there playing center field and he's out for this game. He's on IR after right. playing, you know, like 30 meaningless snaps last week, and which was kind of a strange thing to have happened. I've assumed Jaleel dies from the deep middle safety in this game. Uh, but who knows exactly what they'll do there and who they'll actually try out to to stay out there and play center field if they do that. So how important is play action in their deep passing game? And how many about shots a game do you think they usually take on those like deeper, like 30-yard fields or 30-yard throws down the field sure. or so? Yeah, it's not an important part of their game and one that we drafted Josh Allen thinking that it would be, uh, was more last year. Um, so I would say three would be my guess. It could be as few as two if they're going conservative four, if they're, you know, looking aggressive, but two to four, I'll settle right in that three that you'll see. And it will be because, and it will be at at different times of the game. And it will be because it might be early. Um, they definitely don't, or late, they definitely don't like to go to it in the middle of the, of the game. Um, so you won't see it in my opinion. You won't see it a lot in the second and third quarters. That's where they like to get their offense rolling. So you'll see it really early or late in the game. Um, when, uh, Josh Allen's actually going to take a shot and he's been good in those situations. So to me, um, I think you'll see it three, maybe three times in this game. Um, I think that they'll try to attack it. Like I said, it'll be game script based. If they think they're getting, get going in the run power, um, they'll stick with it and then maybe go over the top. Um, maybe they'll, they'll eat a little bit away from their intermediate game if they're running the ball really well. Um, but I mean, the bills, they're not going to rely too heavily on this. Maybe with, um, Gibson out, you could maybe see that number go up a little bit, but I don't, I don't anticipate them, um, it more than once or twice a game and they like it to be effective. So usually the receivers open and it has been against even the elite defenses, um, just due to the, the game flow. So you'll, you'll see it. And if Josh Allen hits it, 
um, you know, it'll be a big play, but um, which is, I guess, and statistically happening at a 35% rate. So um, if you see that happen, one in three, let's just call it. I mean, the receiver's generally open, and a lot of people will say, well, Allen needs to hit that throw. So we'll see. But I would anticipate three times the Bills are hoping to hit on one of them and, and it being a game-changing play. Yeah, and I think what's important, too, for I guess the Bills in general, is that it's not just John Brown. Like Cole Beasley's been used a lot more as a deep receiver. And like you mentioned with Knox, McKenzie, it's not just it's not just Brown. They throw deep downfield to a variety of different receivers. I think one thing they'll try to do is is they'll look for Brown. Um if he gets if he has Jonathan Joseph across from him, like any sort of man coverage situation, I think it's a chance where they'll maybe audible something else and try to throw downfield in those situations because Joseph is, you know, old and, and lumbering and it's hard for him to run with guys um, at all anymore. And that if that matchup makes itself available, I think it's something that Buffalo can hit on. And also, too, with Conley, with how much he's been chasing, you know, you can draw some defensive pass interference penalties, I think, as you know, other receivers haven't been able to do. And Brown's a very nuanced route runner, and he's good at doing things like finding the cornerback's blind spot and uh, and losing guys after he makes like his second turn on his break down the field too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, John Brown's been a great acquisition um, for this team and a guy that, you know, the Bills took a lot of heat signing these guys for close to 20 million combined. Um, you know, why don't get a receiver one, which, you know, believe it or not, I don't know how many people followed, but um, Antonio Brown was originally traded to the Bills that mm-hmm. he backed out on. Um, so the Bills were in the market to spend for a receiver one at that. You know, it was a blessing in disguise. They ended up getting two better players out of it. Um, and they took a lot of heat and that heat has just since disappeared. I mean, John Brown's been everything imaginable. He was a guy that the bills actually wanted last year, but due to the nature of their rebuild, uh, did he went to Baltimore instead? Actually, the bills offered him more money. And then this year he finally took it from us, you know, feeling wanted here on this team. So, um, so it was great to see him finally. The Bills have been trying to get this John. For some reason, John Brown was the receiver that they've been targeting for years now. It's kind of funny to say, but it I guess they proved us right um, or or wrong, whoever you're talking to, that um, you know he's a game-changing player. And the Bills do view him as a close to a receiver one. They know that he's not an elite top 15 receiver one. They know he's a back-end receiver one, though, and they they, they generally think that um, that's what they're going to get out of him in this offseason. The, the biggest thing they're going to go for is a the third and final piece, but keep calling the slot, John Brown, a receiver one, and they're going to play in this receiver gla- uh, class this season. So um, that would be what I would anticipate. And really the missing part of their offense is really that final receiver to complement these two guys that they sign in free agency. So um, John Brown's been great. He's been everything, probably one of the bills, best players, um, best offensive players for sure. Um, and he's, he's been good. And, and Colby's, he's been a nice safety valve and Dawson Knox is developing as a rookie converted quarterback from Ole Miss who didn't catch a touchdown in his career ever. He's never caught a touchdown prior to <laughs> playing in Buffalo this year. So even in college or high school, um, so he's been a great development piece and, um, been big, huge additions compared to last year's receiving core of, of Zay Jones, who's been traded and, um, a couple of other guys, Andre Holmes and a couple of just guys that just Robert Foster, really, who they who played pretty well, but is the team's fifth receiver now, Isaiah McKenzie. So, I mean, these are guys that are now fourth and fifth and sixth on the depth chart that bills, you know, overhauled his position and got rid of Charles Clay. So, the team's vastly different, and these guys have been, have been a lot better. And you notice that in plus four wins from six and ten to ten and six. Um, so that's partially the biggest reasons why are that uh, Brandon Bean's up for executive over the year for really nailing free agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Brown too. He's not just a deep threat. I think it's kind of the same thing about Beasley. Or Beasley's not just a you know five yard slant running receiver as well too. Like these are guys who can attack any part of the field. I mean, you use them in a variety of different ways as well. I didn't like the Beasley sign last year because it's like, well, Allen's just going to overthrow him over and over again, these short passes. 
And I really wasn't like, even if somebody was a big Josh Allen fan, I wasn't expecting him to make such a jump as a short-term thrower. And yeah, he's like overthrown Beasley a few times. It's led to some interceptions. But uh, overall, like Beasley's been a really tremendous signing for him, and his ability to attack the short parts of field man coverage have been uh, you know a very like predominant part of this Bills offense. And it's worked out even better than I could have imagined. You know, go back to last spring. Yeah, and, and the Bills would blighty if they thought they were going to get two thousand yards out of these two guys, close to that combined, and and you know twelve, fourteen touchdowns out of these guys. He's actually helped Josh Allen be better in the intermediate to short game. He's been really good. I mean, he's gone over a hundred yards against New England, seven catches for one hundred eight in that game. Um, he was really good against Dallas. He shows out on the road, particularly he shows out in domes. Um, I mean, it's 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 a good setting for him in this in this in this game. And Cole Beasley is just a guy that I think a lot of teams really do forget about. And are like, yeah, well, he's going to get his 50 yards, whatever. Um, but if you let him do that, I mean, Josh Allen will take it now. He's 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 going to take Cole Beasley. And actually, his numbers could be bigger if it wasn't for him having a few drops and um, costing a few interceptions, bobbling off his hands a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's had a really good production. One of his better year, first or second best year in his career so far. Uh, definitely his number one in touchdowns. Uh, if he was sat last week, but I think he would have probably beaten out all of his career numbers uh, if, if the Bills needed to have played the Jets last week. So he's been a good signing. They're generally both really liked in Buffalo. And like I said, the Bills are one offensive playmaker away from really um, being being set. And I look for that in the draft. Yeah. And then you add another year, Allen's uh, maturation process, too. So the in this game specifically, I think one of the things that's important is that Cody Ford's the starting right tackle. Typically, I know they've they've subbed him, subbed him in and out every once in a while, too. But typically, he's their starting right tackle. I've seen him have a lot of problems with you know speedy Ed Rush's. Uh, yep. where he's just like, and it's weird because he's really quick in the run game with his feet, but for whatever reason, just pass setting at the right tackle position in the pros, he's just had trouble learning how to vertically pass set or at more of a 45-degree angle instead of in Oklahoma where it's just, you know, two-point stance, uh, take one slide step over and make contact. And he's had problems kind of picking that up. And J.J. Watt returned this week. Nobody knows how much he's going to play. I assume they're probably going to save him for passing down specifically and throughout Watt's time, you know, over the last you know three or four years or so, they kind of figure out which tackle is the easiest one from the rush against, and they leave him there and give him the best matchup, which leads to him having you know 16 sacks and Jadavian Clowney having nine sacks and that sort of thing. But I would assume Watt is going to play probably on third downs and obvious passing situations, you know, second 15 things like that. And they're probably going to leave him against Cody Ford. Now I know you said Nishekis may play this week. Could you see him starting instead of Ford? And you think Ford, if he does start, if he can handle this matchup at all whatsoever with Watt, and then even possibly Jacob Martin, who's a very fast, speedy edge rusher as well, too, that Houston has available to use. Yeah, Ford's an interesting player because I see him struggle against some bad football players, and I see him do well against good football players. He's kind of that, kind of in that Josh Allen mold, really. I mean, he's he struggled. I think he's a weak link of this offensive line. The Bills are really pounding him at right tackle. I thought he was going to actually take that right guard spot from Feliciano, um, and it didn't happen. And the, the team's really pounded on making sure he's getting his reps. Ty Saki's played really good football for this team. I mean, it's he's their swing tackle, but and, and he'll split. I mean, there's games where they split 50-50. It's really bizarre. I mean, it's not really like a, a series here or there. They'll, they'll go 50-50. Um, Ford's dominated the snaps due to Saki's injury, and the Bills got him back last week, and he got rolled up again against the Jets, kind of you know like Gibson did in meaningless play. But the difference was Saki needed those, those snaps to kind of – get back get, get back on track and was looking trending toward playing 
Um, I don't know. I think he'll play. And if, if the team needs him back, if, if they rush him in or want him to play in this game, it's going to be to play. They're not going to want him to have him active as an emergency key piece. He's going to be playing right tackle if he's active on game day and he's healthy enough. So at least 50, 50, I think maybe you could see him in on passing downs. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in this. We don't know. It's tough to say based on his health, but I, I, I guarantee you'll see a little bit of Ty Inseki, if healthy, um, if not for a, a reasonable portion of this game, just due to the fact that, to me, Cody Ford's been their weak link in their, in their offensive line, um, one that's improved, but the team's willing to let him develop in this specific game, but I'd like to see a little bit of Ty Inseki. He's really good. Ty Inseki's really good in pass pro. So that's something that this team, I think, is thinking about with those names you've mentioned across from him. Mm-hmm. So defensively, the Bills are fifth in pass defense DVOA, 18th in run defense DVOA. They're also third in net yards and attempts allowed and 18 in yards per carry allowed. And as a team defense as a whole for their points against, they're only allowing 16.2 points a game, which is second in football. And if you score more than 20 points against this Bills defense, which is something that's only happened um, you know, four times or so this year, that's a, a big marker to reach against this team if you can score more than 20 points. So my first question to you regarding the defense, Kevin, is what's the reason for this discrepancy in the pass defense and the run defense, the pass defense being you know, tremendous and the run defense, according to numbers, being you know mediocre? There's a couple of debates going on with advanced Bills analytics and through it, even internally with cover one and um, you know media members or even national media. What is the strength of this Bills defense? And it's it's absolutely their their pass defense. So. They're going to allow you, and it's almost part of the game plan where um, they're going to allow you to run the ball a little bit. And it's it's almost due to the fact that they'd rather you do that than attack their 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 pass D. So what that means is the Bills. So I've stuck pretty. I think I spoke pretty positively of this Bills offense, and you're like, well, it's ring 25th. Like, why is this guy so positive about this team's offense? Um, I think it's better than their numbers show, and they're they're better in crunch situations, and they do what they need to do at times. They will struggle at stretches, and then don't get me wrong. Bill's defense is relied upon um, to be good, and they usually are. So it's kind of, to me, you want to kind of flip the script to where maybe for three quarters of the game is really strong. It's probably number, you know, as good as any in the league. They don't have their lapses and, and, you know, Tom Brady will finally get going or Lamar Jackson will do just enough to win. Um, to me, to, to a team that has a defense that is second in points, points allowed, um, third in, in yards and, and fourth in pass yards, I'd expect a little bit, and they get after the pass, or they turn the ball over a lot. They've got a lot of interceptions. Top 10 there. Uh, sacks are probably 12th, 13th in the league. So do a lot of good things. But there is stretches of the game where Matt Milano will make a bad read. Tradmans will miss a tackle. And the running game will get going, and it's frustrating. So you don't ever know when that's going to happen. It's not like you can call specific play for that to happen. But, I mean, they absolutely annihilated the Cowboys. And then, you know, against Philly, who's probably pretty – they're pretty equal teams when one and one against each other. They just absolutely struggled. Um, so it's game-to-game basis, and and it's only popped its ugly head up a couple of times this season. But last uh, – specifically last week, or week 16 against New England when they're playing for the division, 24-17 to 17 loss, that's when you needed the defense to come up, and, the, and they did, did – did do just enough in the running game to beat the Bills. When the game plan is to keep a conservative, keep Tom Brady off the field, the defense needs to show up at all points of the game, not just not just here and there. So you'll see a little bit of that inconsistency in the running game to where you're able to get it going, and then maybe they figure it out, but it can be too late. Or, or maybe it's kind of the reverse, where they get something going late in the game. So 
I'm not going to be as positive about the Bills defense, even though that's crazy. They're second in the league um, and their their advanced statistics are great. But, yeah, you hit some numbers that are are worrisome. There is games that they cannot stop the run. There's guys like Jordan Phillips who are specifically really good pass rusher. Shaq Lawson um, has been good for this team. Um, but you know, they struggle and run, run, run fits. And, and we had to go through a gap integrity class here in Buffalo for like three weeks because <laughs> people are like, what is going on? Like everyone's in their place. This defense is good, but, um, you know, we're letting, you know, Miles Sanders run for 150 yards and that hadn't reared its head in the season. So it's possible if, if Carlos Hyde can get going, they usually do well against, uh, against running backs like Duke Johnson, but we'll see. Um, just because they're, they're athletic linebackers, but if Carlos Hyde can get going, um, it's, they struggled against Jordan Howard specifically. And, and that's when Philly had both of those guys going. And to me, I think they'll do what they can to stop Duke Johnson, especially in the past game with their linebackers. But if they can run down the hill and, and, and give the bills gap fits, I think that's going to, 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 to really go into the hands of the Texans. Now, if they get, if they get kind of impatient and want to try deep shots or want to try, um, in an inter- intermediate passing game, they might win a little bit there, but that's going to play into the Bills' hands. So to me, Texans need to stay patient. I guess it's based on if Will Fuller plays or not, but I, to me, I, I think they stay patient. They run the ball, establish that run. To me, I think it's the best best chance for them to win, even if they do have a, a pretty solid passing game. Um, staying, you know, making the Bills be in their fits at all times, making Tremaine Edmonds read these, these this this offense, and making Matt Milano make all the plays he can. Um, that's how the Texans are going to win the game because. Something's going to happen where they're going to let up and just stay patient. If the Texans stay patient, it's going to lead to their hands. If they get impatient, that's going to go to the Bills' hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've watched a bunch of film, and because looking at this game and specifically, and you know, watching the Bills play, you know, live, you know, week to week, I was like, yeah. I mean, I think the big thing with the Bills is you want to focus on the run game. You want to stick to it, just because you fall down behind, you know, seven or ten, don't abandon it. You know, stick with it and keep running the ball as much as you can. Um, and then went back and watched them, and I just kind of came to the realization that I really like the Bills' run defense in a lot of ways. I think their defensive line's you know really great. I think Milano and Edmonds are awesome at chasing and tackling. I like when they go in their four three looks with Lorenzo Alexander. Um, they, it's cool how they can run nickel and then just bring a variety of different cornerbacks in close enough to line of scrimmage to make plays as well too. But the two biggest problems I saw were that you know the tackling isn't isn't very good sometimes. You know Edmonds, Milano, and the safeties can miss tackles. And going on addition to that, whenever they get actually offensive linemen at the second level on them, they don't really have an answer. They get sucked into blocks pretty easily. Uh, they're not going to like lower their head and go and bounce off a guard and then pop off and make a play too. And so you see like a lot of like three yard runs, a lot of four yard runs, and then the safety in the hole misses the tackle and then becomes a twenty five yard run. And so they are tenth, um, I believe, in running it, rushing yard or rushing carries. They gain more than ten yards in the league, and they're eighth in. Uh, rushing attempts that gave more than 20 yards against them too. And there's just like one guy has a play to make and he misses it or one missed tackle uh, leads to a, a four-yard gain into 25 yards. And so that's, that's right. the biggest problem I see with the run defense. But I think it's good as far as like a talent level goes. I think it's better than the numbers indicated to be. But there's just these like casual uh, lapses of air like you're mentioning. And the tackling, I think, is is the biggest thing that stems from their run game issues that they have. Yeah, and I mean, it's weird because it's if you're going to knock Josh Allen, if you look at the Bills for inconsistencies, you got to knock the defense at times in the running, rush defense specifically. Their pass defense is elite. 
Um, their pass defense is really good. Sean McDermott focuses on it. Leslie Frazier focuses on it. Pass defense is a little bit different of a ball game. If if they're in pass downs, Bills are as good as anyone in this league um, right now at stopping the pass. They have a true cornerback one. They have really good depth at cornerback. Their safeties are good in, in coverage. Linebackers can cover. They're, they're really good in, against the pass. They really are. Um, they have great numbers. They don't allow too many 240-yard-plus passers. Um, there's 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 really specific, really good numbers. Numbers. They don't really let players go over 200 in passing. That's Brady. That's Wentz. That's you know Baker Mayfield. That's whoever you know likes to throw the ball a lot. Um, and the, the person that's given them the most fits in the in the passing game has been Ryan Fitzpatrick because he he is willing to take six yard curls, four yard slants, three yard outs the entire game. If you stay on that, you have a good chance against the Bills. If you get impatient and try to attack their cover two zones and you miss a throw. Yeah, that's not going to be that's not going to be the way you beat the Bills. So back to the running game, though, it struggled. I mean, they, they've had times where they've that's back to gap integrity. You just you just you just listed it. If a safety misses that tackle in the hole, it, it's killed the Bills team. And they'll 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 rebound. So if they can get a good if someone tries to run the ball on first down and they get it, you know, stop it for no gain, which they're able to do. Um, then they start to get impatient and start to throw the ball, which even New England started to do. That's what lead to the Bills hands. Stay patient and keep running the ball. I guarantee you someone's going to miss a tackle somewhere, and that's just this Bills, this Bills aggressive team, and it's going to lead to a 20-yard run. Even on a second and 10, I wouldn't abandon the run um, and start throwing the ball because that is what the Bills want. They want to stop you on first down and make you throw. If you run for four yards, four yards, four, that's how you beat the Bills and and, and hit them on and take what they'll give you. Um, so that's that's going to be the key matchup for Houston. Can they? I've, I've said this to, on a couple of different podcasts across the nation. Can this team stay patient? If they can, I like the Texans' chances. If they're going to get impatient, though, it's going to be a key. It's going to be a key thing in this game to where it's going to play right into this key defense's hand. Make the Bills make a mistake on defense because they play bend and don't break, um, and they will make a, they will make errors in the running game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the problem with I guess Houston's rushing offense just you know talent wise and scheme wise is that Carlos Hyde doesn't break a lot of tackles. He's broken. His, ta- his broken tackle rate is like thirteen point three percent. Duke Johnson's broken as many tackles as he has on less than half the amount of carries. And the other thing is they don't they block the second level well with their offensive line, but they don't block it very well with their secondary blockers. And they do like a lot of window dressing where they pull tight ends in the flat and they don't do anything. They use their tight ends as fullbacks and they miss a lot of blocks too. And it really doesn't mount a whole lot when they go into like full house backfields or if they go to offset eyes with their tight ends and these you split wing sets that don't really do a whole lot either. And so from Houston's like running games perspective, I think they run like a lot more power, a lot more inside zone. Just try to get their offensive linemen blocking defenders in the box. I think they can run the ball some. Uh, but, you know, their their running game, I think, has been kind of annoying for Texans fans where it's it's really established the run. It's really patient heavy. It's a lot of like Carlos Hyde against the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for example. He had 14 carries on first down for 20 yards. And so it you're you have a team with Deshaun Watson. You want him to win the game, him to carry the offense, and it becomes the other way around. It feels like too much where the offense is based around the running game, and then Watson just kind of fills in from there and gets them to you know 24 points or 26 points, and they win by one possession. And so in in this game, it's weird though because all those things that I you know I personally hate so much watching this team whenever they're established to run that sort of thing is that this game is probably be close. It's probably be low scoring. It's going to be difficult. I don't think their run game matches up very well with it. But it comes it comes in a situation where you just don't want to make mistakes. You don't you don't want turnovers to decide this game, and uh, you want to let your your quarterback talent I guess kind of carry you on from there as well too in this one. But the run game thing I think I think was like a key matchup advantage Houston had 
entering into all the video, like numbers I looked at. And then afterwards, I don't feel like it, it is, but uh, it's definitely like a, using it as you can and just don't turn the ball over and keep this game like kind of close and brutal as well, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to say, and I know like you have Deshaun Watson. Bills have played a lot of good quarterbacks, um, and uh, they've played some of the best in the league. Um and they played them all well. So to me, it's it's weird and and maybe counterintuitive, but that running game is going to be pivotal. Um, that's how I mean that's how the Browns beat the Bills um, based on when Cream Hunt had just came back and they couldn't stop both Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb. Um, and then you had Philadelphia who ran with Jordan Phillips or um, with uh, Jordan Howard and um, Miles Sanders. Both ran the ball really well. And then you have New England, who you know will run with all seven other running backs at any specific time, and you don't know which Rex Burkhead or James White and um, Sonny Michelle. So they beat the Bills that way. Um, so and then I mean then their other losses, the Jets, which they played their backups in. Um, so it's it's I, that running game is important. The Bills won't lose too many games in the history of Sean McDermott by by domination on the on the passing end. Um, but they, he will lose a plenty of games if you guys can get the running game going. Um, and it, Sean McDermott will play into the hands of, well, they're going to get impatient and make a mistake. They're going to throw into a cover two defense. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. Some people like Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick won't make that error. Sean Payton did it last year against the bills. Just absolutely dominated. So I just, I just think that the running game is really important in this one. And the more that you abandon it, um, the more that it is going to lead into the bill's hand. So it's, it's really important. So if Duke Johnson, um, is the guy that's going to miss tackles and make people miss. And even though he doesn't get a lot of run, um, I, I would start giving him carries. Um, I don't think he's going to scare the bills too much in pass. Um, in the past game, they've done really well against receiving running backs. Uh, I would get, I'd run him the ball. The bills will be thinking pass and I would start running the ball with Duke Johnson, um, and let him be elusive with the ball in his hands. Don't, don't make him, um, go out for a pass, which is kind of counterintuitive, but that's would play into the bill's weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the Duke Johnson thing is something that you know this Texans corner people really would like to see more of him get more carries. It never really happens. He's just kind of like stuck where he gets maybe six and a half or you know five, I think he gets like five and a half carries a game, and then he has a game like New England where he catches that big touchdown. It's Calvin Noy. It's like that's there you know all year long, but it takes these like weird specific games for him to actually utilize in that way too. Um, so for the page, I mean the Bills pass rush. Shaq Lawson has 14 tackles for no gain or less. He has six and a half sacks, 18 quarterback hits, and 30 pressures. Um, do you think he's just a guy who's just a cog in a really great pass rush that's about six guys deep? Or is he a legitimate you know, defensive end who can create pass rush entirely on his own? And do you think he's the type of player the Bills are going to keep with their fifth-year option uh, next year? So they've already declined the fifth-year option on Shaq Lawson. Okay. Um, and they just didn't think he'd be in the top, you know, ten in in defensive. Um, he, I don't know. I, it was a it was a big debate last year. He had a really good year. He followed this up with a really good year. So I do. Uh, it was a questionable move, but I believe it was. I'm not mistaken. It was like 15 million. But I have to double check that mm-hmm. number. Um, they they do want to resign him. They do think that they'll probably be able to get him in that second tier number more, probably the eight or nine to ten million, hopefully. Um, he's been really good. He's been a really, he's been the only player actually once Lorenzo Alexander retires at the end of this year, um, that will carry over from a regime, from a regime three years ago. So, um, they're down to zero players post pre Sean McDermott, I should say. Um, and he's the one remaining player. A lot of people were worried that they drafted him with potential because he had that shoulder injury to start his career and the bills took him on a red shirt year, which bills weren't in position really to take red shirt defensive ends. Um, at that specific, you know, new England can do that or, or maybe new Orleans can do that, but the bill 
Bills weren't in a position to, to redshirt it, but he's developed really well. He's liked here in Buffalo. He's been a really good player. He's been probably one of the best defensive ends. So his numbers probably aren't indicative. I think he's, his numbers could be greater um, than they are. I think he's one of the Bills' best defensive players. So Shaq Lawson's been been really everything they've been looking for. They're going to try anything they can to re-sign him. Um, it's it's more like players like Trent Murphy that have been disappointing. And then on the flip side, you got a guy like Jordan Phillips, who's been good and exceeded my expectations, but his numbers are gaudier than his play actually is. That's doing a lot of good at Oliver play. Starla Tulele doesn't get enough credit um, for what he does in his role that to free up Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson um, helps helps out um, Jordan Phillips as well. So. A lot of other players are taking double teams, and, and Phillips is taking advantage of that, which is great. The Bills need it, um, but those numbers are a little bit uh, gaudy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you named you named every member of the Bills' pass rush except for Jerry Hughes. So it's you know, Hughes, Lawson, Murphy, Alexander, Oliver, and Phillips. Um, which player along those along the defensive line is your favorite to watch? And then the Texans' offensive line they win their one versus one blocks pretty well. The one hole they've kind of had this year is at right tackle. Uh, nobody knows if it's going to be Chris Clark or if it's going to be Robert Johnson. Like you mentioned with you know, Ford and Niseki, Uh they've just split time kind of randomly. You don't really know why at all. But this isn't a case where they have a guy that they're developing where they're, you know, there's right. a reason for it at all. There's, not, there's no development here. One's guy's like a former, it's like a third-year pro. The other guy's like a, a, a swing tackle that's been kind of all over the league. And they're both kind of replacing Tyus Howard this year at right tackle. So which guy do you think can really attack that right tackle spot? And which member of the Bills pass rush is your favorite player to watch? Uh, this year it's been Shaq Lawson. He's been the best guy, and he'll rotate on both sides, and um, he'll get after it in this game. But, I mean, Jerry Hughes has been historically their best pass rusher. His numbers are always great. His his advanced statistics are always through the roof. PFF loves him. Pretty much every advanced statistic, he gets a lot of hurries and pressures. The sack numbers we don't care about because he does affect plays, whether he gets a year where he has four or a year where he has 10 or eight or seven. Bills fans are generally pretty happy with the play of Jerry Hughes. Um, one of his earlier problems was a lot of personal foul penalties. Those have since subsided and you've only seen one here and there. Um, but he's 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 fun to watch. He gets there fast. He's a nice speed rusher. Um, he causes a lot of problems. Sometimes easy for the quarterback to recognize him as the first guy and quarterback steps up, gets hit by Jordan Phillips. So he's still my, one of my favorite players to watch. And I think between him and, and, and Shaq Lawson, I think that you'll see a little bit of um, trying to attack that right tackle spot. The Bills have been known to try to find that weakness on the offensive line. That's that's where they're good. Um, so if they designate that to be the Texans right tackle position based on the player, maybe the Texans have a counter move with maybe one of those two guys you mentioned is better against the Bills specifically. Uh, but the left defensive end spot, you're going to see probably a lot of Shaq Lawson. Um, in particular, um, and Trent Murphy too. He, he, he's, he's impressed. I mean, he's, he's kind of inconsistent too, where he goes into stretches of, of being a, a pretty really good football player. And then game three just disappears. So we don't know what Trent Murphy we're going to see. Uh, he's been good since he's been back and healthy. Um, so the bills have a pretty good defensive line probably. And as a unit, um, obviously probably one of their strong suits of the entire roster, not, you know, um, that the, between them and the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. So Buffalo has the 12th highest blitz rate this year at 31.1%, according to Pro Football Reference. The Texans, as I mentioned earlier, they tend when they're one versus one blocks. Where they have problems is against you know teams that really blitz heavily. Um, every they've they've used so many different offensive line and they've kind of settled into this unit. You know, after around like week five or so, where Max Sharping took over at left guard, Tyus Howard moved to right tackle, but then you know Tyus Howard got knocked out. 
And it's been Chris Clark and Roger Johnson over there. Sometimes you'll see like Greg Manks at right guard out of nowhere instead of Zach Fulton. Uh, so it still does change up some, but it's not like a unit that's played together for a long period of time at all whatsoever. And so they do have problems giving up free rushers. You can confuse them with a lot of ET stuns. Uh, you can blitz safeties and create holes as they you know move over one gap one direction, play man the other direction. They kind of struggle to understand that you know, whenever you, you're in man on that side or you're in a man blocking scheme in the pass game, you want to block the inside defender first. And so they give some quick sacks to Watson. And sometimes Watson's miraculous and is able to break some tackles and make plays out of nothing. But other times it leads to him, you know, taking a big hit or, you know, being knocked back, you know, 12 yards for a big loss that kind of kills the drive too. And on first down especially, they they really give up a lot of sacks on first downs, which is kind of a strange thing from, from the scene that sure. you wouldn't expect as well too. Uh, so didn't the Bills here and really dial up their blitz, or is that just something they occasionally bring out on third downs in obvious passing situations? They've been using it more um, because they trust their secondary more and more. Um, I think it's something that they learned when they've had it happen to Josh Allen a lot. They're like, you know what? Our secondary is just as good as teams that are doing this to us, so we're going to just do it. Sean McDermott generally didn't blitz a lot his first year that he made the playoffs. Uh, not really a ton last year. Um, and not really to begin this year a ton. Um, it's been, it's been really ramped up and they're like, you know what, you know, we're going to come bring it. And they, they actually did it against Brady and Brady was effective against the bills blitz two weeks ago. Whereas in the first game, I don't think they blitzed him as much and the bills are a much better unit. Um, staying patient and trying to rush for, so I do think you'll see it. I mean, they don't want Watson to stand back there and beat him. They know it'll be a long day. Um, if, if he's able to find those, those gaps and those holes, I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on him, make him try to throw Trey white side and, and hope for the best. Um, I mean, that's, I see, I see them coming after him a lot. I uh, did it against Dak Prescott and, and, and it worked, um, to perfection. And, um, I mean, it's all going to be on, you know, Watson's ability to recognize, you know, who's coming and why and where they lot, they blitz a lot. Like you mentioned from their DBs, um, Taron Johnson's a really good blitzer off the nickel. So, I mean, they're going to bring it, and I think that's what you're going to see in this game. I don't think they're going to go down um, uh, just with their front four. They they usually would like to do that in, in, in games past, but that has since changed in the second half of the season to where they're kind of going down with the strength of their secondary. So if they're able to still make throws and, and, and take those quick outs and, and beat those blitz beaters, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get beat. Um, those screens, I mean, if, if, the, if the Texans can run a lot of effective screens, that's what beat the Bills. Um, that's, that's beat the Bills' aggressive style uh, many times. So screen game, stay patient with that. Uh, but if they dial up the blitz at the right time, they will get after it, and they do they do fairly well. Um, Tremaine Edmonds doesn't have gaudy sack numbers, but he's a great blitzer. So sometimes I'd rather him be blitzing than than missing tackles. Um, so, so I think they'll come after it. I don't think they'll stand back there. I do think they'll use it. It's not going to be every play. I mean, it's not going to be something crazy, but it is going to be a significant uh, portion of the game. Um, and hopefully its ability to, to confuse the, the Texans offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, New England did a really good job using screens to create yep. a, lot of, uh, a lot of easy throws for Brady, especially considering they have you know, zero receivers, except for Edelman being able to beat man, man coverage. And they did a really good job against them doing that too. And it's also been interesting to watch McDermott blitz a lot more because during his time in Carolina, they were all... You know, I have two linebackers who can cover the entirety of the field. I have four down linemen who can create pressure, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm a rarely ever blitz if I ever even do. And so they've been a lot more aggressive this year, too. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is Buffalo's answer to Watson's mobility? You know, he's a guy who runs whenever he needs to. They don't manufacture him as a runner all that much. I think they're just trying to help him out with his health. It would be interesting to see if they kind of bring out like a, a different side of the playbook where they run a lot more zone reads and powers and counters as a way to you know, attack Buffalo's defense and 
uh, that you know run defense that kind of has lapses in judgment, take advantage of that. But you know that's just something that's uh, speculation really at this point. But are you expecting them to show a gap pressure and bounce out of that? Are you expecting Edmonds to kind of sit in a in a spy formation, or is it just their zone coverage just kind of dictate as being able to control a quarterback's mobility by default? Yeah, I mean, just due to the nature of their cover two defense and their zones, they'll feel comfortable. They'll, they will show a lot of A-gap pressure and bounce out for sure. You'll see that. Um, but they're going to feel comfortable in their zones and their fast linebackers to take care of it. And yeah, Watson should, if needed, can find his lanes. Bills won't ever, I've never seen him got, get beat too bad by it. Um, so actually the one example was in the playoffs two years ago against Blake Bortles, um, actually found like the, the Jaguars found like zero room in that game at all. But Blake Bortles, I think ran for 90 or to hundred yards. Hasn't happened since. So, um, in two years. So uh, I, I think the bills will go in their cover to defense. They'll put a play a lot of zones. There won't be a lot of running lanes. I, I, I I would imagine Watson can find five to 10 yards if and when he wants that. The Bills probably, depending on game flow, will let that happen if that's the what the Texans want to do. Um, so that's how they're going to cover. They're going to show a lot of A-gap pressure. They're going to bounce out of that. And then they're going to probably – I don't think they're going to dedicate a spy to it. It could be Milano in certain plays. It could be Jordan Poyer in a certain play. It could be Trey Edmonds in a play. And then maybe one of their fast defensive ends in a certain play. So we'll see what happens. But I don't, I don't envision them – um, needing a spy in this one because of the nature of the defense they play. Mm-hmm. So the Bills secondary, you know, looking at the numbers and everything else, the really the only hole that you ever see is the deep middle, which is kind of like a hole in every defense. Whenever you play, you know, single high and you have the cornerback talent that you have on the outside, where you know, you can run some double moves and that sort of thing and find some shots deep down the middle part of the field. But really, like against number one wide receivers, against number two receivers, against tight ends, against running backs, so they're good against everybody in coverage. Um, so how do you think they're going to cover DeAndre Hopkins? Is this a situation where they play Levi Wallace on one side of the field, Tredavious Watt on the other side of the field, or are they going to follow around Hopkins with Watt and play man coverage with him, and then maybe run like a cover six sort of thing on the back side of the play? Uh, how do you think they're going to cover Hopkins specifically? Well, I would say that they would leave their cornerbacks on each side of the field um, and trust their strength of their defense to to do what they do. Um, but since randomly, once again, it kind of kind of went hand in hand with their blitz ramp up um, since Terry McLaurin, of all players um, to come into Buffalo, Trey White's on a lot of shadowing since. Um, so I don't know what it was specifically about halfway through this year where they just started to say, you know what, if they have a, a really good receiver one, you know, we're going to put our all pro corner on him, you know, equally top three corner in the league to a top three receiver in the league. I can't imagine they're going to want to go down with Levi Wallace in this, especially banged up Levi Wallace and a really, I mean, budding playing good Kevin Johnson, actually. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't imagine they're going to want to go down swinging that way. Um, They might try it maybe at at points. And if something bad happens, they're going to immediately shadow him with um, Trey white. But the one thing that I do see is that if when he jumps into the slot, I know he's an effective receiver. I would assume that the Bills will go Taron Johnson with maybe Micah Hyde. So they're going to combo it with a fairly decent nickel and a really good safety. Um, and I hope everyone else one-on-one is okay. So that's kind of I would anticipate the Bills doing when he jumps into the slot. Um, I don't think he's going to ever be without Trey White or without a corner and one of our premium safeties. Gotcha. Yeah, with Hopkins, they've turned him into a worse version of Michael Thomas this year where he's really not even that much of a sideline vertical receiver at all anymore. He's more of a slot receiver who runs a lot of posts, a lot of deep digs. 
Yeah. Um, he's a lot of Yankee concepts where you have Kenny Stills and Will Fuller and him, you know, forcing the safety to make a decision and Watson throws off that. A lot of kind of mass protect play action that doesn't lot check downs too. Uh, but yeah, Hopkins will have these games where he has like, you know, 10 catches for, you know, 72 yards, but he has eight first downs out of it. And he's right. really like their key, like contributor to, to moving the chains in their passing offense. The biggest thing about this passing offense though, is that Will Fuller is probably not going to play. He has a groin injury. And if he does play, We've seen it happen so many times where he plays like seven snaps and makes one catch and then pulls himself out of the game and he's out for the rest of it. Uh, one of the things that makes him so important, it's not just that, you know, the dynamicism he has as a downfield receiver, but it gets Kenny Stills against the team's, you know, fourth best cornerback or third best cornerback instead of their second best cornerback. And there's a cascading effect around the rest of the uh, passing offense from there. So I'm not expecting Will Floyd to play. I guess there's a slim chance he could. But uh, the Texans' passing offense is entirely different with him. They don't really throw the ball downfield at all without him. Uh, they do with him, and it's kind of strange just how much of an impact he makes because Stills is still a very good deep field receiver. But it's not really a matchup advantage that you really have for Buffalo's secondary. So are there any things that Houston can do aside from your run screens and maybe some, uh, like, I know they ran a lot of misdirection that New England or New England used a lot of misdirection where Brady, you know, fit looks one way, sits on the other, and then throws back across the formation again. Uh, how is that? How is there a good way to attack Buffalo secondary? Yeah, I mean, it's once again, it's going to be their aggressive nature. So screens, misdirections and um, running the ball. I mean, but it, specifically, it's going to take. I wouldn't I wouldn't live and die off of deep intermediate shots on the Bills. I mean, you might hit one here and there. Um, the Bills will eventually they'll adapt to that. I think it's those misdirections are huge. I, it really does go back to running the ball to allowing for some more of those intermediate throws that originally wouldn't have been completed to be completed and sucking those linebacker aggressive linebackers up. So that misdirection is really important. I think those screens are key to this game. I also think that if you can keep working six to eight yard digs uh, slants. I think you need to work everything. And even if, you know, you're only gaining three or four yards on a specific play, keep working that because that's the way that the bills, I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick do it. I saw it in person, him do it. Um, and he was one of the most effective players just taking, you know, basically curls. He was taking six yard curls the entire game and even factoring in completions in there. Um, they were effective at it and put a lot of pressure on the Bills defense. And at one point, if it wasn't for a ridiculous Trey White pick at the in the red zone, um, I mean, Miami put the Bills on the ropes at home. Um, and they played a lot better in the second half of the year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But he's one of the most effective players that has played against this defense to me. So watch some of his tape against this Bills defense and watch how he used when back when um, prior to they had a couple of key injuries late in the season. But Pre Preston Williams uh, really knew how to run that that nice eight yard curl. Um, and just sit down in the zone and just 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 take anything as long as the ball was there accurately. And I think th those are keys too because the Bills will give up a lot of a lot of things in front of them. I, I just they just don't get beat get deep uh, beat deep often and very and, and not much at all in a deep passing game. So I I wouldn't rely on that as a portion of this game. Where you're going to play into the Bills' hand. Actually, the Steelers tried to do it a little bit with Duck Hodges. Uh, I just absolutely backfired on him. So I hope, I mean, that's already on tape that I just wouldn't attack this Bills team in the, in the, you know, in the deep corners. It just doesn't happen. Um, telling you though, those eight yard curls, those misdirections, those screens, a really good power running game. Um, I, 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 I mean, it's boring. It's boring, but it beats, it can beat the Bills defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that Hodges game was fun too. Cause White had some two really remarkable picks where he's just reading the entire route or right. he's you know seven he's like you know playing off man and like following along with the double moves and then 
They also had that really great, those two great picks in the end zone as well too with the safeties um, that they're just like kind of desperation throws at that point. But so do you think Houston can score, you know, the 24 points or so needed to be able to beat Buffalo? And what's your kind of final score and prediction for this game too? That's a tough one because really only, you know, one team has scored 25 plus. I think 24 is the line of debarkation where they're in really good shape if they can get to the 23-24 number. It's tough for me to put a defense who does play really well and only allow 16.9 to predict that they will allow 24 plus points. I see them close. I see them right in that range for sure. Um, I think it's going to be a close football game. I would be shocked if either team has a two possession or, you know, we'll call it even an eight point plus lead in this game for much for very, for very long. So I have it being a pretty close football game. I think Will Fuller's key to this game to get another, another action in there. And I guess those reports have came out that he's most likely not going to play. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. I you know he has that groin injury and he missed last, he missed the last right. two weeks and, um, it's not expected for him to be in this one. If the Texans had a little bit better of a power running game, or I could trust Carlos Hyde a little bit more, I would, I would, I would be picking the Texans. I just think the Bills actually look the numbers up. The Bills play really good on the road, six and two on the road. Uh, they've been in every game that they've played it on the road. They've taken down some key opponents on in, on prime time. They play well. A lot of people think the Bills have home field advantage here, and they really don't. The fans feel like they do, um, but it's tough to play in these swirling winds, these mm-hmm. snows, these rains. It affects the, our quarterback um, as much as it affects, you know, Josh Allen's not from Buffalo, New York. It affects the quarterback here as much as it does the opposing quarterback. And a lot of times um, it can even out the game, and it's not a benefit to be playing in this kind of weather. Josh Allen's proven that he can play on the road. It's a pretty good record on the road, and he – loves to be in dry elements and, and not have anything distract his dis, uh, accuracy right now because he doesn't need it. Um, so I personally have the bills winning 23, 21. Um, I think both teams score in the twenties and I think, I really do think it's going to come down to a, to, to a turnover and it's cliche again. Um, but I do, I think that if, if the bills are able to get that turnover, uh, they're in good shape. But if Josh Allen puts a ball on the ground in a pivotal run on a pivotal spot, I think the Texans take it. Um, so I, I, it's 23, 21, but, um, it's, it's close. I mean, it really, it's, I think it's the toughest of the four games to pick by far. Yeah. I think it's gonna be close. It's gonna be brutal and it's going to be kind of a coin flip. And also like both these teams have won a lot of close games. I know Houston's eight and three one score games. I know the bills have only lost. I don't know if they've even lost a game by more than one possession, um, this year. And then the only game they won by one more than by more than one possession was that game in Miami, which was the best game that Allen has had this year too. Uh, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun though. It's gonna be close and gross and and you know brutal and disgusting in a lot of ways, but it's me uh, physical and fun and it's gonna be really interesting to watch this past defense go up against Watson and uh, and the kind of difference in where these two teams are as a franchise where you know the Bills are I guess kind of building up to something and this may be like a lesser version of a better team, whereas Houston's kind of like in this win now mode and they're gonna be in like a dogfight against uh, against Buffalo and. Or anything more, anything less than like an AFC AFC Championship game is kind of like a failure for a season for a season for Houston with everything they've put into this season, the decisions they made this summer. And it's possible, and I really think that it's it is a fifty fifty game, and I think all statistics would show that. There's a lot of advanced animal models that are close to fifty fifty on this thing, and um, there's uh, what the line is the line sitting right at three. Um, I 
I, I think it's it's going to be a great football game. And I don't think the Bills have allowed uh, total points. I think it's 44 I saw or something, and they've never allowed that to happen. So that would be uh, – the, the Texans are going to have to do a lot of firsts, and Deshaun Watson's a great quarterback, and he's able. And I think he's able to do some of these firsts that the Bills defense has and haven't allowed a lot this year, or if at all. So Watson would be – between him and Mahomes would be they play Lamar Jackson and he he you know they kept him intact and check a lot of the day too so um, those would be the only two quarterbacks really not on the Bills' dock that they're going to get Watson this week and um, if they are able to advance they'll get um, Mahomes or Jackson again so um, Watson can do whatever I think he's one of the only quarterbacks left that can that can kind of kind of beat this Bills defense so that's what makes this one super hard to pick. Mm-hmm. So thanks for thanks for coming on the show tonight, Kevin Masseri. Uh, where are some places that we can find some of the, the beautiful content you produce out there? Yeah, so you can find us at Cover One underscore. That's our main site. And lots of great content, premium content over there. Follow along there all, all week. And you can find my show at Kevin and Jason Show, presented by Cover One, and me at Kevin Masseri, K-E-V-I-N-M-A-S-S-A-R-E on Twitter. Pretty easy to find. Um, that's, those would be the best spots to find me. I'm usually a pretty big Twitter and podcaster. So you'll see all that stuff. And for the premium content and some of the, the, the these numbers and in, in, in more advanced of what we talked about today, check out just cover one. I mean, those guys over there do really great work, uh, in depth. Yeah. Yeah. I love cover one. I found that website because they like, have, they like Caleb McGarry as much as I do. Yeah. And uh, it was fun to see somebody who could see the lie at least a little bit, but they do. Yeah. Thanks for being on tonight, Kevin. I learned a lot about the bills from talking to you. I'm really excited to watch like probably my second favorite team and uh, and Josh Allen and everything else on Saturday. It should be a lot of fun. Should be great. He's a polarizing player, so we'll see what Josh Allen we get uh, here on Saturday. I, I think I think it's going to be. I, I think it should be the best of these four games. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Red Radio, and thank you for being on tonight, Kevin.